Hello. Hey. Hello. We're counterculture. Let's unpack. Hey guys, this is episode two of Counterculture, where we're unpacking social issues in Kuwait. Today, we're going to be talking about double lives and double standards. I'm Hassa, and with me here are Ghadir and Dream. We're recording at Belong Studio, and we're super excited to be here. A lot of people told us that we did not really introduce ourselves in the last episode, so we're going to spend a little bit more time doing that. Let's start with an icebreaker. What do you like about Kuwait? I'm going to start. I love potato bedian. Like, that's the <laughs> one thing that I actually missed when I was living in the States. So, Ghadir, what do you like about Kuwait? I love that it's by the beach or, like, by the sea because I grew up in Cairo and I used to miss the sea. And the fact that I don't have to travel for it is just, like, a, a blessing. This is Reem. Something I really like about Kuwait is the fact that if you really want to start something some sort of initiative, you'll find the support. It might be a little hidden, but it is there. And once you find it, it'll really pick you up and it'll really take you places. So that's something I really like about Kuwait. So if you want to know more about us and get a closer look onto our lives and who, who we are and what we do and why did we start this podcast, you could actually check out the Derdish Show episode. We have it on our podcast. Uh, give it a listen, hear it out. And we'd like to shout out for Eid Limjabel for hosting us on the show. Awesome. Today's topic is definitely a fascinating one. It's one that we have wanted to talk about for a really long time. And it's something that affects most of, if not all of, the people that live here in Kuwait. And not just Kuwait. It affects a lot of people that live in different Arab and Muslim cultures around the world. And it's this question of double lives. So in this podcast, we want to understand, one, like, what is a double life? Who's living this double life? Why do we live this double life? We want to diagnose this issue and then understand the ways that it manifests in society and how it affects people in different ways. So to start off, how would you define a double life, Adir? To me, double life is living a life that is not the life that you actually either want to lead or the life that you're currently leading. And it doesn't have to have a negative connotation because sometimes people lead double lives just because society pressures them into living a double life or like having to censor themselves from their parents or their family or their close friends that don't match their mentalities and we see that really clearly in Arab cultures, and it's very well seen in Kuwait as well. Yeah, my definition is simple. Basically, living a double life means that you have to hide any particular part of yourself from different people in your life. And so you can have more than a double life, you can have like a multitude of lives, but the whole idea is the more consistent you can be within different spaces the more authentic your life is does that make sense yes okay what do you think Hasla? 
For me, a double life means when you lead two different lives separated from each other completely. And one can be like a super secret because you're shameful to talk about it or it's immoral to talk about it in our society or even show it. And then the other life that you live that's within society and it's the same thing where you're not showing your authentic life whatsoever, not showing who you truly are because of cultures, tradition, religion. So Hasla, we asked this question to our Instagram followers, right? And I'm curious if you can read to us some of the responses and just let us know because we asked basically this question. We said, do you feel like in Kuwait people live a double life? And we got an astounding yes. So can you share with us some of these numbers and also some of the responses? Definitely. We had a lot of people responding. 102 voted yes and 11 people voted no. And this is very shocking It's because it's, it's a lot. Can yeah. you imagine? Pretty much 90% of the people are living a double life. I mean, how can you... S- stay true to yourself or to who you are or your purpose in life if all of your energy is going through living a double life I feel like that answer is not a surprise I felt like yep yep that I'm not even surprised that that many people feel like that they or someone they know is living a double life because this is the reality that we live in I was shocked for their honesty so one of the feedbacks that we got that I really really kind of resonated with me was this person she said a lot of people have to lead a double life because otherwise they would be alienated or pushed by society either through violence abuse or legal prosecution our society clings to certain norms and traditions even when such a standardized set of rules can be harmful to the well-being of others mentally and physically our society in general is very fearful of the unfamiliar and is quick to retaliate when someone deviates even slightly from what is considered normal and it's there's more i mean to make this even more complicated such cultural traditions are often intermixed with religion which makes it impossible to argue against them logically to remedy this people feel that they have to hide their true selves instead wearing a mask constantly can be tiring though some of the answers that we got is fear of being alienated You can never be your full authentic self around family or friends. Another one that's actually really thorough is strong influence of culture, family norms, religion, the issue of reputation, people's perception, misinterpretation, fear of being outcasted and harmed. Finally, avoidance of conflict and for the sake of easing the mind. So essentially, these are answering why people live a double life? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that, that's that's really fascinating. And, and I think a common part of all these answers is that people who are hiding or creating a double life or living a double life are trying to please people or like trying to create a certain idea that people would accept rather than what they are and who they are because they feel like they're not going to be accepted if they are the way they are. And I think the first place where their fear comes from is towards family because family is the first place that accepts you and if you don't feel accepted within your family how do you expect to be accepted within outer circle someone said something that i actually kind of resonated with me was maybe because we have developed unapproachable standards to maintain which is kind of true because there's so many high standards that in this society that you have to maintain to stay in that kind of status I really resonated Mm. with that. So I have a question for both of you. 
Do you feel like you live a double life? I used to. You used to? What changed? I definitely used to. Um, I decided I want to be true to myself and I want to be honest. I felt really horrible living this double life that I wasn't true to my family. I wasn't true to myself. I wasn't true to my What friends. was it like? What was a double life to you? <laughs> oh, it's a very uh, sensitive topic, really, where, I don't know, I, I woke up, I had this dream, and I'm not going to disclose what it is, and I realized, I was like, what am I doing with myself? What am I doing with my life? What is the purpose? Like, why? Why am I? I'm here in the States by myself. My family are not here. Why am I living this double life? Who am I living this double life to? Myself? But, like, I, I definitely want to be true to that. So it was just a switch. And um, How was it a double? Like, did you feel like you were living a certain life and then you were articulating and showing a different life to other people? Yes. There's a different life within myself. And then with other people, like, there's just a different kind of aspect that I would bring out. And I was like, why? Why am I, mm. why? And was it particularly, like, you were showing the side to Kuwaiti society or also within your friends? or? It wasn't really about the Kuwaiti society. It wasn't really about the culture or the traditions. I wasn't even living here when that happened. It was more about being authentic to myself. So I had to break these habits that were embedded with me since childhood since so I had to I had to kind of shed that layer by layer until I can and it's it's a process I'm not saying like I did it within a year or within six months but yeah it's mm. a process but hey now I mean within me being back I just don't disclose a lot of things I'll be authentic to myself and I'll be true to myself. I just won't say a lot of things. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah, I think this is exactly where I'm at. And, and I do believe that at some point I had to make a similar decision to yours, Kassa. And that decision came from me not wanting to lead a double life. And I've seen a lot of people, it's not a judgment. I just have to mention that this is not a judgment towards anyone who's leading a double life. But I just didn't feel like it resonates to me or like I'm being my authentic self by leading a double life. It wasn't the easiest of decisions, but I took it and I faced all consequences. And I'm still to this day facing the consequences of that decision. But at this point in my life, I am not fully myself in front of certain relatives or family. And I do censor myself truly. And I do believe in what you're saying that you tend to like have to censor certain aspects or not share. And I, I think actually we're entitled to that we don't have to share our lives with everyone we meet and it also can be moved on to family as well we grow up learning that family or like the closest family should know everything about us and i do believe that kuwait has a big problem with like personal space and arab parents in general they have a problem with personal space and what it's what is it that it is your personal space so leading a double life or like your life a lot of aspects of your life fall under personal space I think I'm still living a double life. <laughs> and I mean, it's not the way one would typically expect. Like, I think, I think for me, it's mental. 
almost and it's like emotional I feel like I'm having this evolution of the way I think right and I'm and I think I'm constantly evolving in terms of what my values are and who I see myself as and I think the more it evolves sometimes the less congruent it feels with the kind of things I used to be like as a kid or the things that my parents taught me were right and wrong and and it's scary because I don't feel like I can share all those new thoughts with my family. And I think for me, I also lived abroad. I always had this feeling that I couldn't fully disclose this ream that's abroad with, let's say, my extended family who know a very different kind of ream. And I mean, it's not even like this, ooh, like super scandalous kind of life. It's things as simple as... I don't know what I like to do what like what I'm studying feels like it's a constant kind of justification game and and yeah I think it's something I'm still working on to be honest like I think I'm still learning how to be authentic I still think that different people in my life see different versions of me and I hate it <laughs> like I hate having to go through that and I and actually I just read this book and it's called Motorbikes and Camels and I know Hussle read it too. It's by this Kuwaiti author. Her name is Nujudir Yagutz. I highly recommend it. And it really got me thinking about this idea of double lives. And that's because basically this book is this series of chapters. And every chapter is about a different character. And as the book progresses, you realize that all these characters are actually intertwined and connected. And gradually you figure out like this huge spider web of essentially double lives like these different people have put on different masks in front of different acquaintances or different friends or different family members and it all takes place within Kuwaiti society and so a lot of the issues are very specific to Kuwait and a lot of the can specific an, can you give an yeah. example of one of those issues yeah yeah i don't know if hissa wants because hissa also read this book yeah. yeah see that's the thing like they each chapter is completely different but the one thing that they have in common is they're living a double life and they are unhappy each chapter it's like they're very unhappy but they have to put this front for the society and the, and the culture so let's say this one dude he feels like he can't be his full authentic self to his dad because he's gay and he ends up marrying a woman. And I know, like, Kuwait is not super into talking about sexuality, so I'm not going to get too deep into this. <laughs> and if Kuwait's ready for that. But I thought that was really fascinating because it's just this huge metaphor for, like, the fact that, wow, this person has to hide this huge part. Of and this is something that people deal with all over the world in terms of sexuality. So it's not specific to Kuwait. But it is kind of compounded in Kuwait with all, all these other societal expectations of like these other characters in the book can't marry this person they love because of the family that they come from and so they end up dating in secret and the one that I really liked was this woman where she's married to this very religious guy they have three kids and she was happy she was happy being married to him and everything and then he goes and marries someone else as a second wife and that's when she literally woke up and realized what am I doing what is this why am I with this person why is he controlling my life and even through like living with him for so long and having three kids with him at the end of the day she's like am I who I am because of my culture 
Like, why am I living this double life? Why am I just now realizing what's going on? And that's what I actually really liked when she wrote, am I who I am because of my culture? And I think a lot of these people, the thing with this book is a lot of it has to do with the relationships, actually. And I think something that it got me thinking about was just like how ugly and dark they make something like relationships seem. So like in a place like Kuwait, something as natural as liking someone feels toxic and it feels like you have to engage in it in a way that is secret. And I think that is a shame because it is something that is natural for a lot of people. And and I think what is very debilitating for a lot of people is the fact that they find themselves lost as to how to make sense of any attraction they might feel or any kind of wishes they might feel romantically. I don't know. Do you, it's what it's like the least expression of self you'll make. You'll be shamed upon it. But I, what I really wonder all the time whenever this topic is raised is, is it really that hard to not live a double life? And, and why do people give in to leading a double life? And I think from those examples, the common was unhappiness. And this the other common was they only wait until things go so wrong in their lives to make a change and actually stand up for themselves and be like, hey, I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to be happy. And this is what I want to do. But really, why is it so hard to like not lead a double life? I mean, I... I'll mirror that question with why do you think it is so common that people feel a double life here in Kuwait and also in Muslim and Arab societies? Why? Because, like, my friends abroad as well, who I know who are Arab or Muslim, they lead one life abroad and then they have another life that they articulate to their parents back home. And this is very common in Kuwait as well. Like, it's accepted. People will actually tell you, oh, my, my dad is fine with me doing this abroad, like inviting friends over abroad, but not having friends over, like male friends if she's a female or the opposite if if I'm in Kuwait. So it's like, the, I think it's it goes down to the idea of reputation and that Kuwait is a very small, closed society and people talk all the time and it's very, very easy that someone is going to mess with your reputation or your family's name and it's it's a society that is built on names and I think that's where it goes down to. And actually, most of the people that preach those norms, they're actually not following them, period. It's more about appearances because then appearances equals family name, which is power, which is status, which is place in the society. And you don't want to be that person that is shunned because then how are you going to get your wasla to work? How are you going to get your connections to do your business? So you have to have that kind of appearance and kind of that double life in order to continue living the basic life in Kuwait which is work and all of that even getting married because oh the, yeah the least thing I completely do, forgot about yeah, that <laughs> as a female in Kuwait they'd be like your family or your mom or anyone would be like how how are you gonna get married if you do that no one's gonna want you there's <laughs> a, even, even like back in the day like uh, studying abroad uh, uh, up until now actually some people still think the same way that if a girl studies abroad cannot be trusted to be a good wife because she's been abroad alone as if if a guy was abroad alone it wouldn't like 
be the same thing which so which is completely not true because which is living, a double standard yeah because living abroad actually makes you stronger to actually have your own life and your own apartment with your husband you have already know the responsibilities so this is like super easy okay Allah, you want an apartment yeah i know what to do not just that there's also example in the book one of the chapters was this guy he comes from a very rich family and he fell in love with another kuwaiti but not in the same status so he was like telling her how can i marry you and you're a status below us and i have to think about my sister who's going to marry my sister if i marry someone like not the same status and it's just like it kills me and i'm like so you you don't want your own happiness because you have to think about the overall collectiveness of who's going to marry your, my sister and who's going to wed our family but the thing is it's not even really his choice i think obviously anyone had the freedom to just choose their own happiness over any alternative, like they would choose it. I think the reason that double lives exist here and the reason that people have to deny themselves that decision is because they're not only making the decision for themselves, they're making it for their whole family. And I think it's this question that came up in our last episode too of like collective identity and how we don't have... we have Yeah, we don't have autonomy. We have yet to arrive at this level of individual freedom that allows us to just be in the pursuit of our own happiness in an authentic way. So today I was talking to a friend and they were telling me how they have relatives that would tell them, you know what, do what you want. It's okay. Like do this thing, that X thing, and just don't let anyone see you or like make sure no one talks about it. Or but don't like, po- don't post it on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> and just like keep a secret because it, it's like it, it's as if the morality of the thing that they are prohibiting matters less than whether or not people see you doing that thing. It goes back down to the idea of judgment as well, because if you're seen, then you're judged, and you're judged because this society does not believe choices and people being adults and having their choices. I choose to go wrong or go right. And even if I go wrong or I choose whatever to do with my life, I should not be judged for that. Okay, the reason I think it happens a lot in Kuwait is because we are such a small society. And there's this saying in Spanish that's like, Pueblo pequeño infierno grande, which basically means like, <laughs> which basically means like small town, like big hell or something. I don't know. And yeah. so basically, like, if you're, so it feels like we're living in a small town. And so it is your town. gossip is my gossip. And and I think we might get some slack for this because like because people might think, oh, no, you just want people to like be drinking alcohol and like whatever. No, That's it's not, not it. that at all. Yeah. Like it's a question of the mind. I think honestly, for me, like I have to conceal a lot of the ways that I think and I have to perform in front of lots of people because I'm always having to put up a front for my entire family and that's what I mean and I think there is this constant dialogue between like eastern culture and western culture and it's seen negatively when somehow we are crossing over into the western culture and it's seen as like oh no this person is thinking too freely yeah and westernized and it's like almost they're corrupted and and maybe you know what maybe we are corrupted I don't really know but like it's 
with technology right now and there's I don't think there's western and eastern anymore it's like globalization everyone is taking what's good in each of the cultures and putting it together for oneness kind of thing I mean why like why is this an issue but then why is there a fear I I think there's a fear like I think there is a fear there's this great book that I recommend called white teeth by Zadie Smith and it takes place in the UK and it's about like this this Muslim family and and similar to the book that we just mentioned, Motorbikes and Camels, because it also like every chapter is kind of in the perspective of someone. And what's fascinating is there's this one Muslim dad who freaks out that his sons are becoming westernized, living in the UK. So he sends his son back to like his home country, like thinking that there he was suddenly going to become this kind of ideal young Muslim man. And then what ends up happening is he becomes way more westernized, quote-unquote westernized, than the son, his twin brother, who stayed in the UK. So everything is blurry. There, The thing is, like, there is this fear within our society, within a lot of Muslim and Arab cultures. And I'm not sure where it comes from, but it's like there's this traditionalness, and that's often kind of imposed by this older generation that sees and fears the loss of something rather than the gain of something. And it's something that I struggle with because I think, in some ways, I don't want to be just romanticizing this kind of individualistic Western culture. Like, I don't want to completely lose and dilute where I come from. And yet, one where I feel like I come from is not letting me be my authentic self. Because they there think, becomes a conflict. Yeah. yeah. Because they think they're losing their identity. Exactly. So... That's... so that's where the fear comes from they're like oh we're losing the identity we're not like kuwaitis anymore we're not this culture we're not this tradition but that's not true i mean i love the kuwaiti culture and tradition i just don't like the closeness of it exactly i'm so glad hassa brought this point out because i was just gonna say the same thing it goes down to the idea of identity and i feel like arab cultures are trying too hard to stick to the arab muslim identity and even that identity is kind of blurred because i feel like nowadays maybe people are not as busy as islamic old days because like if you go to the beginning of like the blooming or the blossoming of the islamic culture you'd find a guy who's like an architect and an astronomer at the same time so they were so busy i feel like not being busy is also part of it and struggling with an identity and i feel like also it is this struggle it is this identity struggle and think what we don't realize is when we put this pressure on people then they seek out these venues of expression that aren't healthy and so people associate freedom with things like alcohol or like things that people would criticize because they don't know they don't have the language or the freedom to find their own form of expression and like living abroad you quickly see that a lot of things that are prohibited here aren't even that attractive you know like Going to a university in the U.S., you see people's relationship with something like alcohol is is not healthy. And there's a lot of people who have very unhealthy relationships with it. And so that's not what we aspire to see. Yeah, it's, it's more like being here in Kuwait, giving us the opportunity to be like, how does freedom look like for us? And how can we create that freedom without just trying to adopt things that are that are forbidden so they suddenly become attractive so like this forbidden fruit right and and rather just like giving us a space to be like how do you want to live an authentic life and it's not this constant fear it's like as soon as you start you know like budging 
And like as soon as you start like kind of nudging the wheel and you're like, okay, like I want to change this or think differently. It's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? What are people going to think? Like you are risking this entire network and community of people that is like established around you because like you are a tiny piece of this big family, right? And I think that is what needs to start to change. Like that is what our generation is so hungry for, just individualism. Like we're not hungry for this kind of like untapped freedom where we can just like, I don't know, just dispel of all morality no (laughs) you're hungry for the comfort of being you it's about the comfort of being you and doing whatever you choose to do and being accepted and not being shunned or like for the fact that you just are this way like if whether it's the way you dress whether it's the way you express your feelings whether it's the way you express yourself whether with everything like even when it comes to relationships who you choose to be with who you choose to not be with with friends because even it, it can go down to friendships as well Even if you change, even if you're authentic, the people around you, even if they don't like it, they won't like it for a month to a year. And then at the end of the day, they're going to accept you the way you are. And even if they don't accept you, it's fine. (laughs) Exactly. Those are not your people. So. But I mean, not all of us are so lucky, you know, like Um, I think. I think this podcast is a good example. Like the three of us, the fact that we can be here and talk about this freely and and say, hey, like I'm someone that wants to live an authentic life. Like we have this platform and this venue to assert for this kind of expression of our identity. But there's a lot of people who can't do that. And there's a lot of people who are so far from being able to do that. And it's not just a matter of choice. Like I think a lot of people not only censor to other people, they censor things within their own mind. And we are lucky we get to be here and we talk. But even our families might tell us like, oh my God, you're going to talk about this on a radio show. Like, what are you going to say? You know, and, and I think like we've experienced that same pressure. Because we put ourselves in this kind of vulnerability where we're talking about ourselves and our experiences and sometimes our family. But at the end of the day, we're not looking at those small things. We're looking at the big picture here. We kind of want to have this dialect and this discussion happening so people are aware that it is happening. And hey, we're here and we want to talk about this. And we want people to talk about this because it's a need. It's a need. And I didn't even realize that until we opened up the questions on Instagram and seeing how people were interacting. I was like, okay. This is not about us anymore. This is about the message that we have to convey. But it is also about us because this is our step. And our experience. Yeah, yeah, and it's our step in trying to live an authentic life. So, like, our attempt at even talking about this is us trying to amend for this kind of wound that we feel, which is kind of just like, okay, I feel I can't fully be myself, so how can I start to express myself? And I think this has become our venue for expression. And I think it puts... Sure, it might put, like, our family's, like, seats on edge. Like, they might be like, (laughs) what are they going to (laughs) say? There's this quote I really like from this book that by another Kuwaiti author that I just started reading and I really recommend. Uh, I have not actually read it yet, but it seems really good so far. And it's called The Pact We Made by Leila Lamar. In her title page, she has this quote. And basically the quote says, No man or woman for any considerable period can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered as to which may be the true. By Nathaniel Hawthorne. What do you guys think of that quote? That's an amazing quote because 
I kind of wanted to like bring this to like how many faces that we put and how much it, mental health is increasing in Kuwait. I'm not saying it's connected, but maybe that's how I see it. Cause it's absolutely connected. Okay. Like you mean issues of mental health? Yeah. Because they're like, there's so many, there's so many people are not being true to themselves. They're putting so many masks on. And at the end of the day, it's affecting their mental health. It's affecting how like their brain works and, and there's all of these issues that are happening. So I totally agree with that quote. Definitely. I did. How do you think living a double life affects society? I think it creates a spiral effect. It goes down to other things and gets passed on to generations. And then we end up with being a fake society. Like, what is the truth anymore? What, what is reality? Do you, do you really experience this or not? And that's what maybe causes people to, to go through mental issues. Because then your idea, I know reality is relative. But if it gets down to that, and if you see someone being a certain character in front of you, and then a certain character behind your eyes or like you see them acting or behaving in a different way and then you're like okay so you you kind of lose trust in a way as well like even if you're doing that you because if we're doing something we believe everyone is doing it so it creates a lot of like social diseases i believe and and it creates a double standard because then let's say a guy who leads a double life gets married to a woman and then he would create a lot of uh rules that are based on double standards just because he knows that he's done those stuff behind closed doors and he doesn't want her to like lead this kind of so he tries to control her or like do stuff do you get what i mean Hmm. i actually have a story of this girl i knew her she got married she's really young she got married and her marriage lasted three months that's it because her husband has a mental illness that his family did not disclose at the the meeting at the wedding at the engagement they did not disclose any of that and she didn't know about it until she actually was sharing an apartment with him where he was taking pills and he wasn't mentally okay and like she'd go and talk to his family and they'd be like no no no, no. Our, our son is fine what's wrong with you and she was like Literally, there's nothing wrong with me. Your son just leaves me at 3, 4 in the morning running out of the apartment with no, like, shoes, nothing. And I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with him. And after talking to them many times, they do not want to disclose that he has anything. So she had to go to a judge and was like, you need to divorce me of this man immediately. And this is not the first story that I've heard. This is actually the second story that I've heard that men with mental issues, their family don't disclose what's going on. And within three months or six months or a year, they get a divorce because of that. I know we went out of kind of the the double standards, double life. I think it is relevant in some ways because number one, the fact that the language you used, okay, so the family did not disclose. It shows you that in our society, there's this like, weird transparency not only that like this somehow marriage is this agreement between families and it's as if like you sit down and be like i'm going to disclose this much information about my kid and it's not so much a relationship between the two people allowing them to get to know each other organically obviously that information would have come up if they actually knew each other and it wasn't just like this decision made behind closed doors about what's most convenient for the family and the family image and who is our daughter going to marry that will bring up our family image 
And I think it puts people and their worth at risk because it's not about them and who they are. Everything is this constant negotiation between other families, their reputation, and, and how can we kind of play this chess game of life and in terms of things that are completely irrelevant to who we are authentically and have everything to do with our appearance in society. Not just that, like just saying that there's nothing wrong with our son and the issue is you them knowing their son has mental issues that's kind of also double standards like so Would the you woman accept this if it was your daughter that's the question no so i don't even is... blame them though because it's like they are shamed you know like we live in a society that shames people for anything that quote unquote might be wrong yeah, and like that's mental, a thing with mental, mental health, health mental health especially and that's the thing, like, they don't, I realize something, even if there's something that's wrong that happened, no one comes and be like, hey, I apologize, I am sorry, I, I did something wrong, and it, or not something wrong, but like, they don't, there's no such thing as that, it's more of, no, we know we're wrong, but we're gonna continue in the wrong, like, way. I also think when a society practices a double life front it loses its authenticity as a society and if we are trying all to keep the same image then we're all going to end up being the same person i have a question Go do ahead. you feel that men and women have different pressure to live double lives and this is where i guess the question of double standards comes yes, in yes i highly agree like uh, yes it's a big yes how, believe, how so i do believe so because let's put it very honestly kuwait is a very sexist society men have a lot of things that are okay to do and women don't have the same like green cards let's say so if i give someone the green light to do this and that and that and that and then you can't do that because you're a female what's an example and then you're gonna lead a double life this is a very common example i think everyone knows it it's okay if, if the mom knows that her son talks to so many girls or like is dating someone and she'd even talk to the girl but if it's her daughter who's dating someone she would totally create a scene <laughs> out of it men can literally come home any time of the day anytime even if it's 1 a.m or 2 a.m but woman yet at 10 30 9 she has to be at home even if she has work every single day i think men and women live double lives differently i think unfortunately we do live in a society that cuts women a lot less slack i think we have this outdated idea of honor and the honor of a woman and how that somehow is related to the entire family and i think that puts a lot of pressure and it's not just in terms of sexuality and relationships it's about the way she dresses the way she leaves the house the way she talks to men the way that she just conducts herself in her outer life I think there is just a lot more pressure to to act a certain way. And I think that's because there's this idea that a woman has this abstract idea of honor and that honor should be preserved and maintained for the sake of the entire family. And I think men, frankly, don't have that same pressure. No, not at all. They don't. They, as you said, women have to worry about all of those issues and all of, and everyone has an opinion of what she does everyone has an opinion the way she leaves the house that's true the way she talks to men they know you shouldn't talk that way because you'll think you're easy whatever it is it's just so many rules and so many regulations that men don't need to abide by that being said i do think men have to put up with this stuff too in a way like in terms of having to live with societal expectations they just live with it in a different way and probably they're yeah. cut a little more slack yeah so to 
wind this conversation down a bit and to think about steps moving forward, what advice do you have for people who want to lead more authentic lives and want to feel more cohesive in terms of the different facets of their identity and they don't know how to start? I think it starts from the self. A person uh, needs to start being authentic with themselves and accepting themselves and then not having to put up with a certain status quo or like a certain standard when it comes to their authenticity. Finding their circle that relates to them and they relate to them as well and they feel safe to express themselves and they feel accepted because a human psychology is very basic. We need to be accepted and to feel accepted. And that's why a lot of us actually are okay with leading another life because we want to be loved by our families. We want to be accepted by our families or friends or whatever. So having a support system and a good circle of people that you relate to and that support you and accept you fully and choose your happiness above everything. I totally agree 100% with what you said. I read this thing and I I really wanted to share it with you guys. For what it's worth, it's never too late to be whoever you want to be. I hope you live a life you're proud of. And if you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start over. I mean, I started over, over and over and over again. And I was lost over and over and over again. And it's a lonely path. I'm not going to tell you that it's rainbows and puppy dogs. But at the end of the day, you're authentic to yourself. And that is kind of joy that is completely different than living a double life that's from a person that used to live a double life so um yeah I think my advice would be lean into vulnerability it would be lean into the discomfort of showing more parts of yourself at the risk of making some people uncomfortable And I know I'm incredibly privileged to even say that because I know for a lot of people, expressing parts of yourself could mean becoming ostracized from your family and from society. And that's not always easy. But look for venues and people. And we have the internet these days. Like, look for spaces where you feel like you can express yourself because I think we need it for our mental health. I think we, we have these beautiful, brilliant versions of ourselves that are hidden under these webs of societal expectations. And slowly but surely, if you begin to unravel those webs, you will see how much light you have and how much beauty you'll be giving to the world the more authentic you are. So with that, I encourage all of you to reach out with your thoughts about this episode with your advice about living a double life, with anything that you feel like you wish we talked about. We love your feedbacks and we love when you guys talk to us about the issues and the things that we want to talk about. And we'd like to thank Belong Studio for being our studio sponsor. Such a great, great support and we're super thankful for that. And I'd like to wrap up today by what Reem said at some point that we are so privileged to be here and we are so happy to be with everyone and sharing our thoughts and hearing from every one of you so stay tuned to upcoming episodes and let us know your thoughts because this is just one one step towards everything and we've barely scratched the surface here guys like there is so much that we wish that we could get into so Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for allowing us to have this space to get a little closer to our authentic selves. 
and until next time.